Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So my guest is Sean Cronin. And I found you because you commented on Mark Reed's. And so it's always fun if I do one, then I get to find their friends. And, and it's kind of expanding this Bluebell story. But every story is so different. And if, from a male, where you grew up, if you were in a Dodge. So um, I just get to, got to learn a whole bunch in our pre-interview. And so I'm excited to see where we go. It'll probably be a lot of surprises. Um, so can you just say hi and tell us a little hi. bit like where you grew up and when, when dance actually came into your life? I grew up in Northern California. Um, I graduated from Oakland High School. I really didn't uh, become interested in dance until 18. I was pretty much a hoodlum, but I went back and forth to both groups. I was on the wrestling team. I boxed, I did karate, and I did sports, uh, but I really wasn't a jock. I was more a hoodlum with the headband, long hair. Uh, but my friend was high school class president, and uh, he was going to have the, I graduated early. I think they just wanted me out of school, but he was <laughs> high school class president. And uh, he was going to have the graduation party at Ozzy Finucane, an underage discotheque. And so he brought me along. He was going to do the negotiations to see if we could work something out. I was a kitchen manager at a steakhouse because I was really good at a restaurant. Still am, actually. That's always my go-to job when I'm not working in the dance thing. <laughs> but anyways, the waitress saw me on, at the disco. She was a disco queen. She grabbed me and I was fighting tooth and nail because I'd only danced one time in the eighth grade, a slow dance to Nights in White Satin. But she drove oh. me on the floor and uh, I was uh, all of a sudden I just started wiggling around and the lights and everything else. And I, I stayed out there for two hours and my friend, I didn't even have a partner anymore. I was just dancing around, and, you know, looking like a monkey or something. But I got in the car and said, Tony, I'm going to be a dancer. So, oh, yeah, whatever. You're a hoodlum. You're not going to be a dancer. I said, no, I'm going to be a dancer. And so the next semester I went to American River a College, a junior college, and I signed up for ballroom dance. I didn't know what else to take and advanced choreography, modern dance. And I lied about the experience. Disco counts, I guess. Um, but <laughs> I started from there. And then a girlfriend, my first semester, took me to Carmichael School of Performing Arts. And uh, it was for a disco class. And I walked in so being a male. And I was pretty muscular and uh, halfway decent looking, I guess. But they took me downstairs afterwards and offered me a full scholarship. They first asked if I could, if I was flexible. And so I, like, did karate. So I did a sidekick to the side of my ear. And then how about the jump splits? And I jumped into splits and got a full scholarship, even though I was a hoodlum and clumsy. I was still clumsy, but I got a yeah. full scholarship, quit working. We did shows every weekend. You know, we did through the years. And um, from there, I got in a ballet company within two years. Uh, first uh, professional ballet company in California, Capitals, I mean, Sacramento. It was a Capital City Ballet under the direction of Nolan Tassani. Uh, he just came from New York City Ballet, where he was a principal dancer. He was born on the same day as me, February 4th, so we had a connection. But he took me and Kevin Cashmore from Carmichael School of Performing Arts. Uh, Kevin Cashmore is a Kelly boy, too. And I worked with, I got him, a, helped him get a job at Hello Hollywood Low with a lot of my other Sacramento friends. So I'm always giving back to my friends and my past. And I've gotten so many millions of people jobs, especially Adagio people jobs. Um, but my first job was Hello Hollywood Hello. I did three contracts there. And from there, I went to Las Vegas, uh, did the Lido first for one contract. I was lucky enough to get hired on to Follies Bajer, a brand new show with Jerry Jackson. And that's where I'd learned all my really, really hardcore adagio tricks. 
And at the time, you weren't really considered an Adagio boy until you worked at the Follies Bajir because you had so many numbers, so many different styles, and so many tricks you had to learn. It, it, acrobats, working with acrobats, and it was just the best place I could possibly be. And that's where I honed all my skills. And I did, in Las Vegas, Lido, I did it three times. I actually closed the show there with Pamela, is the lead dancer. And I actually, my last show was the Follies Bajir. I did three different... Uh, runs there for pretty much two years each time. I closed that show as a lead, also the Follies Bajir, and I left at 44 with hip replacement. So <laughs> I just did an interview with uh, Peter Stanford and Herma Voss, both at the Lido, double hip replacement, double shoulder, because the, there's injuries that dancers get by doing those shows, same show every night. A lot of times it's like lopsided, everything's on the right, but to be lifting like yeah there's a there's i still have to go back i'm kind of overwhelmed by your story because i'm just still thinking of this hell this hoodlum showing up in a disco like that scene alone should be in a in a movie <laughs> and then like how disco is the thing that pulls you in and then they, you jumped a ballroom like just there's not like a, an easy straight path for any of us but that one is probably the most like bizarre in such a fun way that disco is the thing that got you <laughs> to be a sure. dodge partner it's so great so what was your um be between going to school and you have to go back and tell the story about the bars in a minute but um breaking the breaking the bar because <laughs> <laughs> that was good when we did the pre but like what gets you into like hello hollywood hello because a lot of us like if, if you didn't hear about those shows and especially in america that was weren't really a known maybe even where you grow up like hey you can go work in this mega show with this producer like, if, like, how do people get there? What was the audition? I always think that's an interesting journey of how people even find their way there and then getting into those shows, too. Well, so um, first, tell um, the broken bar apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I got my scholarship, I'm even surprised they even brought me down there, but I made such a big splash. It was a disco uh, competition because back then, you make a huge money every Friday, Saturday. You had disco competitions. Not a single girl wanted to dance with me. Nobody, because I was such a spaz. You know, I'd get on the floor and just start wiggling around, and they were going, oh, we don't want this guy as a partner. And look what I ended up being as, like, this famous Adagio guy. But um, <laughs> I went there, and it was. I thought, okay, I'm just really, really strong. You know, I had that going for me. So I went to the corner and where the ballet bars meet and I decided to start doing some bar dips. So I'm like showing off for the teachers. There was a man and a lady there and there were a couple. And so I was like, I'll get their attention. So I'm like doing these bar dips and I, I finished and I like kind of lean forward like I'm stretching to show them that I had hamstring stretch, ripped the two bars right off the wall. <laughs> and then, then there was it was a two hour class. So there was like a 15 minute smoke break. I didn't smoke cigarettes, but I was. Uh, hanging drywall at the time, you know, doing sheetrock and texturing and all that stuff. And so I had a construction truck with all my supplies in the back. And earlier that day, me and Paul Sudo were doing handstands on the back of the truck. So I thought I was pretty cool. I'm going to show off again. Everybody's out there smoking. I'm going to show them my strength and do a handstand. So I do a handstand. I fell in the back of the truck and dust flying out everywhere. And like, I was so embarrassed. I'm all white for the second half of the class with sheetrock <laughs> dust. And so, and, and then all of a sudden they called me downstairs after, I guess they had to, to make sure I was okay, but that's when they offered me the scholarship and, and they asked about my flexibility and I did karate. So I did a, a sidekick to the side of my head and held it. And then they said, how about the splits? And I did jump splits and that ended up being my stupid human trick for the rest of my life. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I got a full scholarship and it was great. We did shows all the time. I caught up as best I could. I had to take advanced ballet classes with 15 year old girls. And here I'm like, 19 at that point i guess you know and here's like this idiot trying to do ballet with knobby knees 
uh, the dance teacher actually stopped the class one time and said, look at his knees. He probably had a light case of polio when he was a kid. He's totally deformed. He's never going to be a dancer because he had polio when he was a kid. And all these girls are going, looking at my knees going, oh, my God, you're right. Oh, yeah, he's totally deformed. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but that's oh, what my I gosh. I still, I still, you know, prevailed. And then T. Michael Reed, uh, they always turned out the, um, you know, the ballet dancers. And they always turned out the male dancers that worked on Broadway. That was our goal there. And so T. Michael Reed, who is Michael Bennett's assistant for Chorus Line, he was direct. He was the very first boy that made it. He came to watch the class. And afterwards, there was 10 boys in class. He came to me and said, hey, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I know you feel clumsy now, but you're the only one who's going to make it. Sure enough, I was. Oh, <laughs> I'm just thinking. Well, yeah, how much that matters. Like when people say you're deformed or when someone says you have potential, <laughs> there's two ways, you know, but there, there's something I'm thinking you could either like, let's hire this guy because he's so strong. He could pull the bars off the wall or let's not hire <laughs> this guy. But the fact that you could do drywall, you could fix what you break is kind of yeah. a good perk of having you part thing. of the company. He can, if he breaks it, he can fix it. Yeah, so, that was my scholarship a- job was uh, cleaning the studio. Uh, I had to mop the floors and clean the mirrors. Had keys to the studio. I could pla- practice anytime I wanted to. It was great. And I still did that in Las Vegas. Um, I cleaned backstage forever until I had so many classes racked up. They just said, don't even keep track anymore. You got a lifetime scholarship here. Yeah. So, it also teaches you to work work for what you want. Exactly. How tall were you at, when you're starting this? Um, I was uh, six foot when I started. I hit puberty really late, and I grew two more inches when I started ballet. So I'm six two, and okay. I'm still six two. I haven't shrunk because I still go to the gym all the time. That's the only way I get you know peace of mind and therapy for my arthritis. I have both hips replaced. I have a pole Me too. In my back and <laughs> and I got a uh, have had surgery on my shoulder. They couldn't fix it, but they said power through it and so that's what i do my girls are much smaller now they're not the 16 show girls well that's like a lot of the stories that the girls tell is they were too tall too soon so if you're like five nine even and a lot of the boys hadn't sprung up you can't partner with anyone so Mm -hmm. for you to come in and have the strength as a wrestler and pull bars off the wall and (laughs) because that's when a lot of these girls get emotional because they could finally partner because finding guys tall enough and strong enough i did a show where i finally finally got to partner. I wanted to cry because I'd never got to be that girl. And so finally be tall and have a tall boy. And I had one guy who was just not very strong and also was a seduction scene. He'd kind of be like, Ooh. And so (laughs) it was, it was, then I got to be with someone who could just like power me up there. And it was like my favorite thing as a tall girl who never gets to do that. And to have a partner that's really strong, (laughs) knows his body and also not so strong that you get launched across the stage. Cause there's something of that too, that you can have a partner that's super strong, but no no awareness of care for your partner so if you went on and did this for a career for a long time you must have mastered both of those of strength and agility and uh, there's so much to partnering that I don't think people just because you're strong doesn't mean you can do it yeah exactly I just had a natural feel for it Um, another silly story for you Um, I was really really skinny um, my whole life and I had a little girlfriend in the seventh and eighth grade and they was they were best friends but they're kind of like dueling it you know, for me, I, I was officially boyfriend with Jeanette Bloom and she was my girlfriend. And then Kelly moved away and then she wrote a letter. And of course, Jeanette let me read it, but she wrote in the letter. Oh, I finally found a real boyfriend who's got muscles. He's not a wimp like Sean. You know, you got a wimpy boyfriend. I got a boyfriend with muscles. I went, oh, hell no. And so <laughs> I went down and I bought these $20 weights. It was like 110 pounds. It's just cheap, cheap uh, 
bar and you know what i do every morning i had it right by my bed so the first thing i did in the morning i'd pick it up and i'd curl it and then military curl it down curl it military and then i do that every single day and also i got pecs and the biceps and i looked good for you know high school kid i was like one of the first ones to start lifting weights but i did that and it just the combination of i only had like 15 minutes to do it so i joined all the exercises together i do squat military all in one go i didn't break down the exercises it gave me the strength to do all the through movements, you know, like I pick a girl off the floor, put her all the way up in the air and put her back down softly. And that just from doing that all through high school, I was already gifted with its credible strength, you know, just naturally. And just had yeah. them again. I just, I just understood. I also, you know, since I lived in the prairie land, there was all bamboo sticks and big, you know, pieces of wood and everything. I balanced everything on my hands. I put it on my forehead. And so I was really good at balance too. I just did weird things. I was a weird kid, still a weird adult, but you know, it just all, it all went towards the dance, luckily, you know? So I, I really, really got lucky with everything. I didn't train young, but I was still training to what I was going to do. Yeah. So, well, there and we I still to have people, my, if you start young, sometimes people take for granted, like most little girls get put in ballet and they either hate it or you just do it like, well, that's what I do. And the people that I talk to that start later have a lot more appreciation for it in some ways. And maybe your body needed to get stronger and yes. then add the dance because, okay, so now I have to hear about your audition for Hello Hollywood, Hello, how you ended up over there. Because <laughs> those story, those story, none of your stories make any sense. And it's wonderful that it makes sense. Like how, how this guy is going to go on to do this thing. Well, um, it was pretty funny. On my 21st birthday, since that was the closest show, and all my friends from uh, Carmichael School Performing Arts, there was another boy in the show, Michael Anderson. Do you know Mike, Michael? He was a... Uh, I believe he's a singer and also a chorus, but he came from uh, Carmichael School of Performing Arts also. And after the show, and it was my birthday, so I had two beers and I was hammered on two beers. But they said, <laughs> we just had auditions today. We didn't find anybody you want to audition. And so Adrian brought me backstage and I did Top Hat, which I bombed. I did horrible. That's one of the and, hardest dances oh in that God, show. <laughs> yeah. I was a little tipsy and nervous and I just wasn't really, really uh, that good of a dancer. It just, I started late. And, uh, and so I said, yeah, you, you're, we're not going to be able to take you this time. Keep studying, come back at our next one. And so I said, okay. And I had to go back and tell my friends that I didn't get it because Michael thought for sure that I was going to uh, get the job for sure, but I didn't. Uh, and then uh, on a fluke, I was already in the ballet company and I was having a bad day. And so I thought, oh, I'll go visit my girlfriend up in Reno. So I jumped on the Greyhound bus, went to Reno and I'm like, poor Sean, you know, I'm working so hard. And she goes, you know what? I saw in the paper, they're having auditions for uh, Hello Hollywood alone. I went, oh my God, really? So I went that morning and uh, Don Arden was there. And again, I had the long hair and the headband. This is a great story too. And uh, I was, <laughs> me and Paul Loper was the only boys that could do ballet. So he kept me and Paul and uh, they pretty much told us both we were going to have the job. And so I'm signing the release and everything. And, you know, I was so excited. First time I got a job and I was recognized and, you know, I finally did it and I could go back home and tell everybody I was a professional. I was in this old man sits across this uh, way from me. He's talking to me and he says, how serious are you? Are you, you know, it's, oh, I'm a dancer. I'm going to be a dancer. I'm blah, blah, blah. And he's going, well, you know what? I, I really like you. You're so enthusiastic. Go cut your hair. Cause I had long hair and a headband, you know, still that hoodlum thing going on. And he says, go cut your hair and I'll, I'll give you a contract. And I looked at him like all smart. I was like, well, who are you? Well, I'm your boss, Don Arden. I was, <laughs> I was back in 15 minutes with my hair cut short. I've never grown it long since. And I, he's pulled out the contract. I signed it right in front of him. 
boom, I was done. I was in. Oh and then my the, gosh. Then the next day, Paul Loper signed his contract. We both started together and it was great. But really, I was like, well, who are you? And he's like, <laughs> Steam, he wanted to like slap me, I'm sure. But boy, I was back there with that short hair in two seconds and he gave me a contract just like that. Okay, that's one of my favorite Don Arden stories right there. Because Liz Larkin, Liz Larkin didn't know who he was. And her story was that she just, just how she was so familiar, like called him on his home accidentally. Nobody did that. And so like, I think the, her, naive, her naive, naivete was kind of charming to him, you know, because uh-huh. I think if somebody comes in and they think they're all full of that, he will probably put them down. Yeah. But it's like, that's okay. That's a really great. Because we're getting more and more pieces of Don Arden through all these interviews. A lot about Bluebell, but I think some of it, there's the Don Arden stories that mostly how he would yell at people and be mean. But then there's some of these other ones that are like, okay, we need to hear that that side too. <laughs> Who do you think you are? So how was, how was the rehearsals for you? Because you, you had gotten better, obviously. You had had more dance training. Were you, did you feel ready for what you were going into? Uh, yeah, I was ready by that point. Um, I, I am a slow learner. I still am a slow learner. Uh, Bill Strickland really took the time. I love him. I absolutely love Bill. He took so much extra time with me. Adrian took a lot of little extra time. Jillian would give me corrections and she would just get frustrated because I was just, I would get so nervous and, you know, she's the boss and, you know, you just really wanted to make her happy. So she made me nervous, but Adrian and me had a really good relationship. Bill Strickland, he was the captain. So he, you know, took me under his wing. And so I got really, really lucky and I was sincere. I was an honest guy and I really loved dancing. Everybody could see I was really sincere, loved what I was doing. And, you know, it was like a, it was like a fairy tale for me. It was just wonderful. I can't even yeah. imagine what I'd be if I wasn't a dancer. I'd probably be a fat restaurant owner, really alcoholic, grumpy and hating life. But, you know, I had a wonderful life. That's what's know. amazing what dance actually probably saved us from and brought us into. Mm-hmm. Were you in uh, Space Disco? Were all the guys in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. So then your disco, because the disco number. day gets to come yeah, back yeah, yeah. with all the flashing number. lights. That one was so, so fun. Yeah. So there's like some of that stuff. It's like, because you, in the guys, you had to do balletic. I think Knob Hill was kind of balletic and, yeah, and the space ballet. But yeah, so that, that show was fun because I feel like it opens up all the different styles that you can do. And some people are stronger at some ballerinas who struggled with more like heat wave and the jazzy things. Yeah. And then the jazz people like me, I was in my element. But then I think ballet, which I'd taken ballet, it was just, I think it was good because none of us came in probably with everything mastered. There was always yeah. a new challenge to get there. So what was your, how long did you stay there? Uh, three contracts. So, and then I went to Las Vegas to do the Lido. And then I did one contract to the Lido in Las Vegas. And then I got the new show, Follies Bajir. And uh, Pam had already gotten that uh, guaranteed, but we had put together an Adagio. And uh, when I was there looking for an apartment to do the Lido, we auditioned backstage for Larry Lee. And uh, Pam had already been promised a job with Jerry Jackson and Jillian had helped out with that one too. But I was really, really tall for the show. And everybody knew it. It was just kind of, it was a short people show at that time. And not yeah. so much later after I came, but um, he, he saw us between shows. We did a great audition stuff that he'd never seen before. Cause I was Bobby and Joni lifts and also ice skater. Yeah. Trip. So stuff he'd never seen before, but he, he promised, he said, no matter what, when the new show comes, you're going to be my understudy. It turned out we were third understudy. We did it more than the principal being third understudy, but nevertheless, we were third understudy. And they reminded us of that all time. But he promised me the job and then I went to the audition for the new show. I was cut immediately. Jerry, I was too tall. He cut me. I sat me down and said I look like a ballet dancer. I think there was probably a few sarcastic remarks on the way down. 
and I was sitting down and Larry, they said, what are you doing sitting down? You got the job. I said, no, I got cut. You know, Jerry said, it looked like a ballet dancer. He marched over to inform Jerry that I was in the show, whether he liked it or not, hire another tall boy. Jerry came over and said, I don't like you. I don't like the way you look. You better work your ass off. You look like a ballet dancer. You're way too tall. And da, 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 da. Now Jerry loves me. I helped him so much. And I was so big eyed and, you know, bushy tailed. And I worked my tail off for him. And I, he gave me all middle spots. I was like helping him out. I did the lead all the time. I mean, it was, it was great. And we're very, very good friends. I've helped him a thousand times with teams and coaching and everything else. Choreography even. So now yeah. I, I made up for it. his not liking me. I made sure he loved That's- me. <laughs> there's there's so much already in your story like i'll show you you know i know, you've, I know. Had, you've had to work but to be told that you look too much of a ballerina again coming from your story that's not a compliment you probably thought at 19 someone's going to tell you you look too ballet yeah uh, it was a compliment <laughs> because i'm i wasn't that great of a dancer but you put me behind a girl i can tap into her energy i could do exact port de bras with her i could look exact i could point my feet i can straighten my knees and i can follow her and that's, that was my thing. I could follow anybody and make them look beautiful and make it look like I really wanted to sleep with them. You know, it, right. it was a true connection. Like, I, I love you. And, and it, you know, translated to I'm a brilliant ballet dancer. So I'll, I'll take the compliment. That's so interesting. You know, how did, and I can how, still do it to this day. I can touch somebody and go, whoop, tap it in their engine and be, be them, you know? Well, that's, I was telling you, that, that was what was missing with one of my partners. Like, we could, he could lift me, but there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. And it's way more fun when you have that connection. So how did, how did you get to this Adage thing? Like, was it seeing it in the show that you wanted to learn it? Or were you uh, already doing yeah. a little of that before Hello Hollywood? Because that, those are the people that get the lead spots. Is uh, you have to be able to do Adage. Exactly. I asked to do Potasis, but Jillian told me I just wasn't ready. And they were moving up people around me. And it just really upset me. And just the fact that I couldn't have it, I wanted it more. Um, yeah. But I was just happy being a dancer. I thought I was going to be Brishnikov someday. You know, as long as I was a dancer, I was happy as a clam. But when I went to Las Vegas, it was apparent and really, really obvious that to be a lead or make money, you had to be a Daggio guy. And so the first thing I did was uh, nobody would touch me because I bragged too soon saying I was going to be understudy before it actually signed the contract. So when I got there, I thought I already had an attitude. I was just proud that Don Arden said I was going to be understudy. I was just proud. I just, you know, yeah. look at me, Don Arden picked me. And no, he really didn't have anything to do with all that final you know understudy in that he can he could cast the new show but he doesn't have the ongoing decision yeah. on who's going to do what so nobody would touch me but then they had a special thing all the dancers did opus and i was the original opus dancer when we did at the gypsy uh tuesday wednesday and thursday night two o'clock in the morning and i danced with heidi page heidi stokes now um another bluebell dancer and uh she was like the Marilyn monroe of ballet beautiful beautiful and uh since the fact that i was dancing in a gay bar with a very voluptuous brilliant ballet dancer it made me famous overnight and everybody accepted me you know all of a sudden i was welcome to their world and then all of a sudden from there oh my god everything opened up and uh i started really studying and like i said when i got to follies it was all you know i got the job because i did a dojo and the fact that i got the chance to study at the Follies and really honed my skills. It was great. When I auditioned for Paris, I used one of the Follies Pizier numbers. It was the clock number. It was like a ballet number where the clock, the little, I don't know, uh, figure comes to life and, you know, I pull her off the clock and we do a dance and then she goes back to the clock and turns to stone and all that stuff. But I used that number for my audition and it was on point. 
So there, because they, you had said something about the gay bars, because I've talked to so many people that you can do the show at night and still have all these other extra things. Like so many of us were doing like fashion shows and all these extra things, but that's where I think a lot of people found themselves because you've got the show that pays you. You've got this wealth of talent that you can use. Like I want a partner. I could use this person. And then you've got all these performance opportunities to try it out and then bring it back. So did you, did you take advantage? Cause it sounds like that was one of those stories. Cause like there's ways to get really good without having to have the producers and company managers watch to see how you're doing. You go work it out on stage somewhere else. Yeah. I, like I said, that was my first special, I did special things at Reno little theater too, but you know, just to keep us busy, but Opus was the first thing. And like I said, I did the original one and I did Opus three. And then when I came back from Paris, I did a bunch of other ones, you know, when it became a company, it actually turned into a big company, you know, legit modern dance company. And they used all the people from the strip, all, you know, people that really wanted to do ballet or do modern or choreography. So it was a great, you know, vessel for us to do. And, and when I came out of retirement, I tried to retire at 35. Basically, I just had to go home and quit drinking in 95. And I came back uh, eight months later, you know, clean and sober and all that good stuff. And then I, the first thing I did was an opus, bumped me right back into the Follies Bajer. And, you know, I danced for another 10 years. So it was good. Well, nine years. Okay, just that, because I know like the 80s was so much drugs, so much. And that's that, that lifestyle, if you, because it's like such an opportunity to party every single night, but also to be a healthy dancer, a lot of that stuff doesn't mix. And some people don't get clean and then their career, their body's just not going to. So what was that the motivator to do it? Like, I got to do this for my health because coming back, you probably came back in a different mindset and a different body set of doing yeah, um, alcohol. Uh, just because of my past and, you know, I was comfortable with hoodlums and everything. And I was kind of sad to hear it, but, you know, I hung around uh, all the party years because I understood it. I really didn't party though. I might've smoked a little bit of pot, but that, that was like the extent of it. But I was, everybody thought I was a big Coke head because Coke was just rampant. Yeah. And I did drink. I didn't, I would go to Ailey Smith and Jones and drink one beer and that was plenty, you know, I'd be tipsy. Um, and so I really didn't, I, I had a job to do. I learned how to dance and uh, you couldn't even smoke pot because it made you stupid. It really does. Yeah. So I didn't take ballet class. You can't, you have to study. So I pretty much uh, was clean the whole time. And, but I was labeled a druggie much to my dismay, just because oh. of the company I kept, you know, I hung rich Rizzo's my dad, you know, he's like my, adopted father he helped me so much but you know just just people like that they just assumed that you know i must be doing crazy things um i didn't start drinking until paris i think i was 25 when they started bringing me free champagne and that was a big mistake oh man alcoholic overnight just from the champagne it was so much fun it didn't affect me until 10 years later and boy yeah. did it hit me hard and i just i was still functioning and i never came to work drunk but boy i'd get hammered afterwards and you know how people love to talk you know they see me drunker than a skunk you know and they sean's going down so i literally moved back home in with my alcoholic parents to see what i didn't want to become and then yeah. when i was ready i came back and pamela was teaching at Fernandera conservatory of the performing arts and she asked me to help her teach her company you know adagio and ballet class and i, I was in and i just started you know saying to everybody i'm ready to go and they get everybody give me a chance and like i said uh -huh. another, another nine years straight of pure debt, cruise ships, Branson, Japan, you know, just, oh my gosh. just everything. Were so. you, cause I know there was so much in the eighties, like after hello, Ho some people stayed in hello Hollywood the whole time. I was like, what else is there? Cause I wanted, I also wanted to go somewhere warm because I grew up in Washington. So Puerto Rico, but it was really fun. There were so many opportunities, but some people 
I just wanted to go, go, go. Were you one of those, like, especially if you came out of the way you grew up, like to have the whole world as a choice, like you could go anywhere, especially as an Adage yeah, team. Like, was, was, were you ready, like short contracts, like let's go somewhere else, somewhere else? I love short contracts. Um, Lido was the longest contract I did. Um, I didn't do the complete run because we we're going to miss all the auditions um, in Las Vegas and everything. So we left at uh, four and a half years and Don Arden told me we couldn't leave unless we found a replacement. And so we knew Kathy James from Reno. And yes. so we called, we called them up and said, you know, do you guys interested in Alito? Of course they're interested. And so we uh, got their information and we passed it all on to Pierre. And uh, Pierre, I believe, went to Florida where they were working, you know, talked to him, auditioned him, and he loved him. And they came and to replace us at the, for the last six months of Panache. And then I think oh, they opened okay. up the, new, the new show. I'm not really sure the name of it, but we hooked them up too. We got, we gave Pam's house, which was, right on the Seine. She gave him a car. You know, we basically gave him the contract. You know, they had to do their own work, but we were the ones who found them and presented their information to Pierre. And Pierre, you know, he was all over it. And, you know, Kathy's so beautiful. And James, yeah. he's a partner like me. You know, he's he's from Reno. There's so many people that made it big from Reno. It's the yeah. perfect. Jillian and Liz Larkin. Adrian. Oh, I know. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. They all came from, from Reno just because it was such a beautiful training ground. We learned manners and etiquette, um, you know. It's, yeah, wow. work ethic. Yeah, well, that's, exactly. Uh, I've interviewed, because I, I looked up to Kathy so much, because I remember watching her, like she had that special, like why does she, you know, you're learning about stage presence. She, I, I would go to her, but it's fun hearing their story and hearing yours, like all these pieces are connecting because then she knows somebody that I worked on the ship and it's just so fun that like it is a small world but the more you travel, it gets bigger and smaller at the same time. Cause now you, you can go anywhere in the world and know somebody that you worked with in every country that uh, are places that you, so that's, that's the fun of how this all connects. So did you ever have injuries, uh, you or your partner? Cause when you, you know, you're understudy, you get to go on, but then if you're out, it's a, I, a hard thing to do night after night. I got injured one time uh, at Toledo. I stayed all night partying and everything. And I came in to work and, um, it was a, just a sit lift, you know, the simplest one. And I put up in the sit lift and something like, and I went, oh, bummer. And, uh, <gasps> you know, and then, then all of a sudden the next day I couldn't do nothing. And uh, so I was shelved for about um, uh, three months and Pamela danced with, um, got, I want to say Anthony Leach or something like that, who went on to be a brilliant ballet dancer too. Um, he was in the show as a chorus boy, nice tall boy. I can't remember the name of his partner, but from there he went on to do great things and amazing. But he covered me for three months and I didn't know I was going to get paid because I'd never been injured before. But my first wife, Mari Lane, uh, she helped me out with, uh, you know, doing all the paperwork. So I got paid full salary for three months to the Lido when I would have got nothing if I would have, you know, I just didn't know about how, you know, that whole thing works. But she helped me out with the paperwork. I got paid. I rehabilitated. I never had any more problem. And the next time I was injured was in the fall of this year doing a silly little scoot across the floor, you know, in a fifties number. And I felt my hip go to something, you know, and mm -hmm. it got progressively worse. And I just didn't have any cartilage left in my hips. So, and that was my second injury and it shelved me. Oh know. my gosh. But they did paid you... for and all that. Oh, that's yeah. Okay. That wear and tear on the body. Did you, um, always do a dodge after that because you get hired as an adage and sometimes if your partner doesn't get it it limits you it's a good benefit to get in but if but were you what did you do the chorus stuff too because some did people did so you got to do the I, whole show and yeah 
Um, the good thing about me is I could dance with anybody. So I pretty much broke up with Pamela in 91 and I just kind of went freelance and I probably made a hundred girls dreams come true. Like they could hire me and I could dance with the boss's girlfriend and make her look fabulous. And, you know, say, because I knew what I was coming into and I, you know, do all that respect thing, but I could dance yeah. with anybody. So they'd usually hire me, figure out my partner later. And I was, uh, in the last nine years, I was the best understudy in the world. Cause I could go on with anybody. I even went on with Tanya. I never touched her before, but I knew her choreography from watching her every night and her partner got her first show. And, uh, I was, they knocked me down again for principal understudy. And I'm yelling at the understudy who was taking my money in my mind, you know, cause all of a sudden he was getting paid and I was, and I said, you have to go on cause you're the understudy. Da, da, da. And he was crying, you know, like, I can't go on. I don't like my partner. Oh my God. It's horrible. I said, you have to go on. And all of a sudden the management came in and said, do you think you could dance with Tanya? I went, sure. All of a sudden I got my spot back. I danced with her. Didn't miss a trick. Didn't miss a trick. And uh. I never touched didn't touch her ever. I danced with her in Reno for the special shows at uh, Reno Little Theater and everything. And I had the biggest crush on her. But um, that was way back when. But, and I ended up doing a show with her for about three months. And then, uh, you know, went back to understudy. But I was like, understudy extraordinaire. And that's my mm. favorite story that I went on stage and didn't miss a trick. And it was adagios. It was double downs, everything. Right. And, and everybody, the whole course was in the audience watching every chance they could um, <laughs> to see if I was going to miss them. I didn't miss nothing. Mm. And I, was so proud, I was so proud of myself. <laughs> there, well, there's something if you're in a Dodge team and you only work with that person, but I was talking, I think it was Leslie Bandy, like somebody's an understudy and you're like, sometimes you're on stage like, oh, it's you. No, this is the lead. It's like, you don't even know sometimes. And then like, you have the same love story you have to tell, but with a different person or this understudy gets mixed like that, being able to switch it up and still tell the story night after night after night. So I do think it's great when you have the repertoire, repertoire, the rapport with your partner, because you have a story. And if you're having a fight, how you don't let that show up or if you don't like them. But when you, when you're an understudy and people's body weight is different and like it all affects it, but to be able to adapt, like that's definitely a gold nugget for them to have somebody that they know is going to be able to figure it out with whoever it is, because not, not all partners can work with different body types. Yeah. Another good, good plus was um, in Reno, uh, Leslie Bandy and Greg Ladowski taught a partnering class over at uh, Maggie Banks studio. And it was just like ballet stuff. And I learned the turn second from Leslie. I learned the Aurora. There's sort of like a fish one-handed. Um, I honed my skill on all the other pirouettes. I was always good at pirouettes with the girls, but they made it that much better to understand what I was actually doing. So yeah. I got a lot of really nice tricks from then. So when I got to Las Vegas, I already had excellent tricks. Again, nobody had ever seen before because they were like right out of the ballet company. And, you know, they were legitimate tricks, you know, like really legit. And I looked pretty darn cool. Um, Pamela came to me to that class the first time. That was our very first day was partnering class and we did wonderful we did pure west like crazy but then i don't know if you remember leslie hutchison she was in class and i grabbed her did just as good with her i made her do a million pirouettes and then pamela sat in the corner and cried and i said you will never come to class with me again as my partner i didn't allow her to take the class i went and danced with all the other girls because i was so embarrassed that my partner was crying in the corner because somebody else did just as good as her and oh wow <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's a good plus for me i kept studying i took that class until I left, I took it for a year and a half with them. And it was great. It was great. Yeah. I love them. I love them for it. You know, um, you, you work solid. Like you said, you're working out. You've never not had a job because never not had a job. Maybe there's some, maybe a, 
a month or three, you know, and I would wait tables, you know, and then be get hired again. I based out of Las Vegas. So there's always something going out. And yeah. I was really surprised people kept hiring me from 91 to 94, 95. I was really surprised, but I did a good product. You know, I did exactly what I was supposed to do, but sometimes I'd be going, wow, man, these guys are really taking a risk, but I always put out. So, and nobody ever got hurt. And, you know, there was a couple of times the girl said, we'd rather dance with Sean smell like beer than, you know, a straight guy, you know, who's going to drop me, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> probably well, yeah, too much information a... there, but oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like safety is huge. And like some of those lifts are, you know, the overhead, you would say you can do the one, the grand point on your, oh, yeah. in your hand. It's now my trick. Yeah. I, I play that one. Yeah. And I've never, never dropped a girl. Never, never. I've never even heard a girl. So yeah. I got a great record. And, you know, now I'm working with kids. And so I use tricks like rosin on my hands and everything else. And look at these hands. They're bigger than my head, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, so what was your transition out of, was it because of your injury that you no yeah. longer, but you made it to what, 44? Yeah, 44. And then, uh, then I, uh, they were kind enough to put me in the casino. They said, pick a job, you know, and I don't think they had ever done that with anybody, but I had a brand new kid. You know, my kid was like, uh, you know, one year old and, you know, I needed insurance. Maybe she was one and a half year old by that point. Uh, she was born during rehearsal. So Jerry Jackson held my two day old baby, you know, and so oh. it, was, it was really, really nice. Um, but uh, long story short, they told me to pick a career. I mean, a, a job in the casino. And I originally just thought, why not security? But it's so low paid. I talked to the people and said, really, dude, you, you don't want to do this. You know, go pick something else. And so I went back down and said, well, this slots, they get tips. And so I thought, okay, I'll do slots you know, because it was still coin machines and he had bags of money. He had to fill the machines and, you know, kind of physical work. So I did that. And then uh, from there, um, I decided I'd go over to the uh, Bellagio and do slots over there. But then they said, do security first for, you know, six months and then you can transition into there. But it was so much fun at the Bellagio doing security. And this is a funny story too. I thought, well, I'll take graveyard shift because what could possibly go wrong at the Bellagio on graveyard shift? It'll be empty. It'll be cake. Oh, my God. There was a gang fight the second day, you know, this right in the middle of the floor from the disco. And so you learned really, really quick how to be a really good security guard. But it was so much fun. I ended up staying and I'm still there. And luckily, wow. I'm in the theater now when we come back to normal, if we ever go back to normal. It's good insurance. People in Las Vegas work for insurance. That's, you know, what the common folk do. <laughs> they get yeah. a job insurance. <laughs> You know, were, were you, was it a grieving process to leave performing yes. or yeah, yes. it's a hard, even if you made it to 44, you're not necessarily I, done. I, I just did a show at the college. I, I will never perform again. It's just too hard now on my body, but you know, I was teaching at UNLV pre COVID and, uh, but I did a show for them. I did a couple of three shows from help choreograph and blah, blah, but, um, I still was able to do the conventions. I could still go on, you know, a pod with a girl and, you know, I still worked for another 10 years, a couple times a month doing a die show for special events. Wow. Know, wow. companies. I still did guest appearances and I swore my last one was going to be, uh, it was golden rainbow with my daughter. And I was Superman. I got to, you know, reveal the huge muscles and she was Supergirl, And we, that was going to be my retirement. It just doesn't happen. You end up getting roped into doing another show. We're at another show, another show. But what keeps me uh, sane is teaching and being involved in choreographing and inspiring young kids. Like I said, I've gotten millions and millions of people jobs. I was the go-to guy for GN Ryan Productions of a dog. I remember Jen. 
Yes, I, she called me all the time. If I couldn't do it, I would get her a team. So I was wow. like the guy you know in Las Vegas. People have called me from New York. Hey, do you think it may work? I usually was able to, you know. Yeah. So right now you're doing security at the Bellagio and teaching dance. Are you teaching yes, teach partnering or what is it you teach? I teach ballet, ballet five and I teach a point class because I've, you know, taught so many girls. That's my thing. If you didn't dance on point, you couldn't dance with me. So everybody wanted to dance with me. They learned how to dance on point. And I usually taught them. So I'm really good at that. So I teach point and ballet and I do privates for, um, I got a young team, a couple of young teams. And then I got my little partner who's teeny, but she's brave. And I practice all my skills on her just to stay in shape. So I still teach all that. My partner's gone from six, two down to little girl. <laughs> yeah. Save your <laughs> shoulders, save your hips. Yeah, well, that's fact, such a I really fun. Do, that's what's, that's so fun because you've got your job for security and it could be fun, but you still get to have that part of you. Yeah. Cause some, you know, you don't have to leave it all. And that's, and you're getting to pass this down to the next generation. Yeah. So right now, everything, the Bellagio is open. It's open. partly. And then so you're still, so, okay. I never stopped working. I, cause you had to guard, guard the casino when it was closed. That was a trip. And so wow. everybody gained 40 pounds, including myself. Like it was like scary. Oh yeah. Lost, so lost. COVID weight that we're putting on. Oh my God. Um, and you said things are coming back. Like I will watch. I just now because of Facebook and Bluebell groups, I'm finding all the, and I'm watching kind of what's happening in Vegas. Like it's going to open. It's not, it's going to open, but now we're coming into summer and maybe with vaccines that like this whole, everything's on, on hold. Yeah. And then will that change what you do with this? Does Bellagio have a show? Yeah, they have the O show, the Cirque du Soleil O. Oh, oh is it Bellagio? O. Okay. Yeah. And that's where I'm security. I'm the only guy in there. I kind of run the place and I make sure that nobody can take my place because I love it. I, you know, I yeah. feel comfortable with all, all the artists are my friends and, you know, I've showed them pictures of me. So I, I look more circus than a dancer, you know, with the tricks that they do. The only thing is that it's girls doing my job, girls lifting girls. They're amazing. But, you know, it's, oh. I pulled all their tricks too and teach them also. <laughs> but yeah. it's great. I, I love it. And, you know, the fact that, you know, I'm kind of my own boss in there and I work so hard so nobody can take my spot, you know, so they love me. There. That's you know? awesome. It's a theater. It's my home. I protect yeah. it. Yeah. Well, then you get to live in Las Vegas where everything happens. Even in COVID, there's probably more happening than there is in a lot of places. And is it kind of a ghost town or are thing people out and about? Oh, and it's so busy. It's so is busy. Is it really? Oh, it's so busy. And as far as uh, 25, 30% occupancy, <laughs> Nevada, yeah, we don't that's care. a lie. It's this full. The smaller shows are opening up, but they have really small houses. Um, Cirque said, it doesn't matter if we can open. We're not going to open until we can. they open the airlines and we can fill the house to 60% because that's going to be a profit. If yeah. we open before that, we'll just be bankrupt again. What's the point of opening when we're just going to go bankrupt again? So they're yeah. holding off and that's the July 4th date because i figured that by then it better be open dang it you know yeah well and if you've got seniors getting their vaccine get those seniors down to vegas spend their money and seeing the shows you're better off than yeah. waiting for the, the young partiers maybe a little ways off and now who comes to see the show it's usually the older people that want to see those it's not the people that are there just to get blasted it's our age and people who want to get plastered our biggest uh uh, people buying the tickets are the Asians and when they closed the Chinese border we were 1800 a show sold out and that's like 200-300 tickets each 1800 sold out every night half were Chinese when they closed that border all of a sudden it went down to 800 600 700 we we're all going oh my god what's going on and then when they really closed the borders uh, they just closed the show and oh, it just wow 
but like I said, of the other circus shows that were had like 20, 30 people in the audience, we were 1800 every show. They even went to seven nights a week. So they just, uh, three months before they just hired 40 new Russians to come over and it was seven days a week. And the new Russians were new blood, new tricks, fresh, beautiful people and beautiful bodies. And oh my God. And then boom, they all had to go back home, but oh. they all were invited back. I don't know how they're going to work that out as far as, uh, um, you know, ticketing, you know, like if they're going to fly them back over, like the originally they flew them over there to give them a round trip ticket, which I already asked. I always asked for round trip ticket and my contracts too. When I was on the cruise ship, I said, I'm an adult. I need my own cabin. And I actually got away with it all three times. I got my own cabin because I was an adult. I did the Dodge or I needed to sleep and, you know, so <laughs> Good one. Work, work those contracts. So <laughs> I was in uh, with three other people in a tiny cabin, but it's like, I'm 20, I'm on a ship, oh I don't care. And I was like, wait, there was an option to ask for what you want. Uh, so, oh, yeah, yeah. so when you look back at your career, career, that was a really long, long career. I got um, so lucky. So lucky. <sighs> I just caught that wave, that Saturday night fever, John Travolta thing, and just wrote it pretty much all the way to the end. You know? I love that. I think they closed the Follies this year, maybe two years later. Um, I remember when Bally's closed, you know. Uh, uh, and you've, yeah. seen, you've seen Las Vegas go through all yeah, that. Every- so like uh, Sarcastic or whatever. A lot of us have talked about like those shows will never come back, like the Don Art and huge ones as far as we can ever imagine. But like what will the arts be after COVID? Because we need it. We And it's, you know, like what, what will come out of it? How many people will have dropped out of the scene because a year off as a dancer? Some people yeah. may have found something else or you're, oh, I'm going to do a show, like how fast they get their bodies back into that shape. And if you're in a Dodge team, like that's not something you, after a year, you just like start doing without yeah. a lot of ramp up to get strong enough. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I'll get a lot of work all of a sudden. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, really get, getting people prepped. I've seen it go through phases and everything lasts like about 10 years, the little trends and what have you. Cirque got lucky. They, they did what, 25 years you know, plus, but they really extended their longevity i think it's probably only going to be these two shows reopening they might get some touring shows but the last three or four shows they did pretty much bombed and that's what created the bankruptcy thing you know they they tried but there's just so much you can do with that you know that format you know yeah. the best ones are the original ones like mister i know they were the I original loved mister i haven't seen oh but i saw mister and i'd see the touring ones but yeah, when you get to Vegas, because before I want to see Jubilee and I want to see Follies Fo- 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 Reserve, yeah, but then exactly. there's like, I can see five Cirque shows, but I really only want to see one Cirque show yeah. and a Feather show. But yeah, your career is amazing. And I so, I always, I'm so much about story, like how people get there, their story. Like it almost feels, you know, like if people could see you on that disco floor and know what your, like, your <laughs> career was, like they go, not, not that guy. That's and that's why. But it's so great because it kind of sounds like part of your stuff is like, I'll show you all. And like, you worked your ass off to get there. And that's something that I think we always need to acknowledge because some people, you know, some girls are beautiful and they can work a little bit and still get hired. Some people have to work super hard, but like, I love the character behind like why people are working hard. You know, if it is like we come out of it with whatever trauma and bad messages we've had that will rise above it or you know, I will show you that I can do it. Or somebody tells you something that they see that's positive, that sometimes Mm -hmm. that's all somebody needs is someone to go, you got this, right? Believe in you. So is there anything that you would like to say to young performers out there, especially male dancers, which I don't know how much encourage male, male dancers get, except for you're the center, lift the girls. Yeah. um, 
boy, if you have a dream, you, you're crazy not to chase it, you know, because you're only young ones. If you say you'll do it tomorrow, you're not going to do it tomorrow. You got to just do it. I keep on telling that to my daughter. You know, she, you got to just move and do it, you know, just, you just go for it and uh, learn as many things as you can. Don't think, you know, don't just float on the adagio thing, you know, learn how to dance, learn how to, you know, do the web, learn how to do silks, learn how to do everything. Cause you know, I had to step down from being the king of adagio back down to the chorus and understudy, which I was the best at, I think, you know, the millions of girls dreams I made come true, you know, it's just, but be ready. You got to learn how to do everything and, and don't be so proud of yourself that you can't go back in the chorus. Still fun. I mean, I would have mm. been happy as a clam being in the chorus my entire career. It just so happens I got lucky. You know, I was halfway decent looking. I, uh, I looked good naked. So I was perfect <laughs> for Don Arden. You know, it was just, yeah. I, was just, I just happened to be that type. But I backed it up. Like, yeah. I put out some stuff, you know. Uh. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a this is a really it's, a, it's like a rocky story in a weird way. Um, <laughs> but my my goal is when things open up is I want to do a road trip. I'm in Seattle and I want to uh, go over and see Liz Larkin and uh, she's not too far from me in Idaho. Drive back down. I want to see some people in Vegas and Reno and do like in person interviews and do it as a video because I just I love every interview and I'm like okay now I want to go hang out and not have a drink maybe we'll have some orange juice or something <laughs> or some tea but just to like these people that I um, am connecting or reconnecting with that I just feel like this this world that we lived in is it's kind of like a make-believe because it's going away but like oh no we have all these stories of how fantastic and that we were born at the right time to get to experience it at its fullest like pick any country go do a show, you know, like it was such an amazing time. So I think it's like, cause we all kind of get each other. Like I talked to my younger dancers who, you know, they could go to LA. That's kind of the only LA, maybe be a rockette, maybe do some musical theater, but we were like, oh, I don't know. I could do these 75 options that I have right now. So, yeah. So you're part of that. So it was yeah. wonderful. And I will let you know in your episodes and that will help you technology, how to link it and listen to it. And please send me some pictures of the Dodges stuff. Cause that like, I have one of Kathy and James with, he's got her up in a split over his head. And those are, those are such fun pictures. Cause a lot of us would have loved to have done that, but weren't at that level or partnering. So I think it's that dream thing to be able to be featured like that and get to do what you got to do for a very long career. Hey, you know what? You're in Seattle. Look up Kevin Cashmore. He's from Reno, hello, Hollywood, hello. A dear friend of mine. He lives in Seattle. Beautiful human being. Beautiful dancer. He he danced the world. He did Paris. He did all kinds of things. But and he was hello Hollywood, right? Hello Hollywood, hello. And his name sounds familiar. Kevin okay. Cashmore. Beautiful okay. human being. Cashmore. Cashman. Ke Kevin Cashmore. Cashmore. Okay, I'm gonna look him up right now. Okay. It's good. It's always fun to get the guy's perspective because I mean. There is a ratio is way more girls than guys, but the guys, you know, still, still Kelly boys. We want your stories. Okay. Yeah, he came so from Sean, Carmichael School of Performing Arts too. Carmichael okay. School of Performing Arts. I'm going to look him up. Okay. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this, figuring out Zoom. Look how smart we are. We can dance <laughs> and we can figure out technology. <laughs> we can sweating. do many things. Yeah. That's the thing that scares people like, wow. And then people will put, you know, get makeup on some of the girls. I'm like, nobody's going to see you. It's not video. It's only audio, but it's still like, I still, I still want to be made up if I'm going to be up on a vid on an interview. So, <laughs> okay. Well, take care of yourself. And I hope you're back to work, getting to be in the showroom and getting to just live that life of doing both of your worlds at the same time. Yeah. I got to go teach right now, actually. Really? So thanks, thanks for they're, interviewing. They're yep, super lucky to have you. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Thank you. Yes. Thanks so much, Sean. Bye. Bye.